Micro Monday again, the weekly microcast where we get to know members of the Microdot blog community. I'm Jean McDonald, community manager at Microdot blog, and on this episode, I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Aldrich, who is at C, that's the letter C, on Microdot blog. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Good. We're doing well this morning. <laughs> um, I uh, Before we dive in, to all things indie web and micro dot blog, I uh, would like you to tell the listeners something about yourself. Um, I do know from your website that you uh, are a modern day cyberneticist, so I think uh, people would like to hear what what that's all about. Jeez, I, I, it's all on my website, honestly. Um, so if you want to know way more about me, then anyone could ever want to it's all there Mm -hmm. uh but originally i started out and studied uh, biomedical and electrical engineering and other than my horrible indie web hobby um Mm -hmm. that takes up probably more of my time than it should i started out studying math and science a lot of physics and biology um and i subspecialized in an area of math and uh physics called the information theory. Oh. Uh, so it's essentially everything to do with how information moves in bits and packets. I did a lot of uh, satellite communication technology at one point. Uh, in college, I was using MRI machines to do real-time 3D imaging of the heart, um, which got me into a, a small career in the, the movie-making part of the world. Yeah. Um, so I, I've seen and done a little bit of everything. <laughs> I have read your about page, and I recommend people go there because uh, there is quite a bit um, to uh, see there. But tell me, I just have to ask right now: How did imaging a heart, a three D image of the heart, lead you into the movie making industry? So I was, I, I grew up in a place that didn't have a movie theater anywhere close by. We had to drive 45 minutes or more to get to the closest movie theater. And I was also growing up in a time in the middle of nowhere, Appalachia. You know, I think we maybe got five, five TV stations Mm -hmm. on over the air. So we didn't even have a lot of television input in the house. Um, So naturally when I went to college and they had a 1200 seat single, single screen movie theater, Mm -hmm. I was there pretty much every day. So I, used my math and engineering background and kind of played around in some of those imaging uh, technologies at the time because I was interested in medicine. But eventually I joined the group that was running the movie theater on campus and then took it over as everyone graduated and then managed to talk the university into giving me, I, know, I think at the time it was almost a quarter of a million to refurbish and redo the theater. So Wow. Um, it's still one of the best movie theaters on the planet, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's nothing better than having a, a massive, you know, s- cinema literally, and literally I lived across the street from it for two of the years. So I could get from my front door to the front of the theater in about two minutes. Mm. So it was a n- nice little hobby to have at the time. <laughs> um, 
But what does that have to do with the 3D heart? So a lot of that stuff is I was using uh, a lot of signal and image processing to do uh, high-end movie making, Mm -hmm. but for, you know, biology and medical use uh, at the time. So it was a way to kind of bridge the two. And then naturally when I finished my degrees, I decided I would defer medical school for a year and and move to Los Angeles (laughs) just to see what would happen. And, you know, then, then the, you know, the rest was downhill. My parents say they're happy for me, but I'm sure it still hurts a little that I didn't go to medical school. Oh, well, but look at you. You're like a, a leading, uh, theorist and practitioner of the indie web they that must make them very proud uh my mom is totally into facebook so i don't know <laughs> if she even knows what indie web really is but we'll we'll get her there one day yeah. we'll get her there one day um, um and if nothing else the, the the practice of things over time will make, make it all easier especially with things like micro.blog that she can we'll eventually we'll get her there yeah I got my father on micro.blog for a while last year, a while being like maybe like three days, I think. But um, <laughs> when I was traveling last summer, when I was going on my way to, to Slovenia last summer, and I was going to be away for a month, and I knew my father was super interested in, uh, he himself used to be a Russian language teacher. So, you know, like Eastern Europe, it's a thing that would interest him. And and I thought, you know, what better way for him to keep track of me? I'm going to be posting photos every day. That surely should get him into micro.blog. But apparently, my father does not want to see what I'm doing every day. <laughs> it yeah. didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to frame it in a way that makes sense for them. Um, yeah. You know, I have some some private family-related posts and photos and things. So I know, you know, my parents will log on and look at that because I'm not uh-huh. actively posting to Facebook anymore, uh-huh. but it's how, how do you break those social bonds or move those social bonds from the place they're used to, to a new place is not, yeah. not always an easy thing to overcome. No, it's true. Well, yeah. And I should back up uh, and ask you a little bit about um, how you first became interested in the indie web or, you know, what made you first aware of the movement? So I, when I was in college, I was, I graduated in 1996. So I was one of the first group of people to graduate and be offered ridiculous amounts of money for writing HTML. Yeah. And somehow I knew instinctively that was not the way to go. <laughs> um, so I had had a website in college and at that point, I don't even think there was such a thing as a blog. It was just, you know, a bunch of random pages. Um, yeah. But I grew up and played around with all the early tools. And I was very early on the WordPress and Drupal and probably four other early CMSs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I bounced around for a couple of years. And then when social media hit, I, you know, went full bore into that. But I was always a little unhappy and unsatisfied with being closed in to a a space that I couldn't be as creative in 
having come from kind of that early blogosphere space and knowing, Hey, I can do these things and create these things myself. Um, so there was just something off. Um, and it took me a while to find this group of people who had that same experience. Um, so it, I, I think it was sometime around 2014 that I found them. And I think it was probably a, an episode of uh, Leo Laporte's mm-hmm. uh, This Week in Google with Kevin Marks and oh, yeah. Ben Wordmuller and Aaron who were talking about known at the time. And I was like, yes, this is exactly, this is what I want. This is what we need. Kind of did that and has have been full bore ever since. So I reignited my WordPress website and started sucking in all the data I'd been giving to other places for all those years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every six months or so, I'll go clean out some old account and move it all to my website or at least back it up and have it yeah. archived so I can do something with it later. Um, but you haven't asked me the other important question is, oh. you know, how did I find out about micro.blog? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe oh, I've heard, I've heard my, most people usually like, Oh, it must've been around about this time. And I stumbled across it for this or that reason, yeah. but I, I can pinpoint it to the second. Wow. Um, okay. Because it was, uh, it was in the indie web chat. And I think it was Ryan Barrett uh-huh. on January 2nd. <laughs> who said, oh, there's this Kickstarter that Manton is doing. And so it was that, although f- mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't think I had been on Kickstarter prior to that. So it took me about a week. So I was, you know, I, ha- I have a miserable backer number of like, I think 1363, yeah. somewhere around there. So just a, a miserable number. So it, <laughs> I had to, I had to wait a few, few extra weeks to get your to actually get on when he started the beta <laughs> yeah there was a lot of uh anticipation of getting those usernames and those accounts registered when well I, and even for me it wasn't so much of it, it, it wasn't the land grab it wasn't the thing it was i wanted to spend some money to help support somebody to start kind of a business or a thing built on indie web principles. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was not even, I want to participate or I'm going to use this as a service, but I need to support this thing. Um, And so for me, it was, I, there was a drastically different calculus because I was already coming in with it, with my own host and my own setup. But the fact that I can participate and be part of the community, regardless of what, what I may or may not have was the, was really the the most powerful thing for me. So, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's, you're, you're a good example of somebody who has a very, um, you know, robust blog, uh, on, you know, on your own, but can still work with micro.blog so that you can, um, participate there and, and people can interact with you from there if they, uh, want to, and you did get the the username C. So apparently, there were fourteen hundred other people who did not want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now looking back at it in retrospect, the I think even the land grab on Twitter for single name or single letter usernames didn't happen for a couple of years. Oh, really? Um, yeah. 
So it, and even looking back on it now, and at that time, having a small username meant you could type more letters and you had more space. Yeah. Uh, but it's become inconsequential since. So honestly, I almost really wish I had just taken the same Chris Aldrich username I use on every other platform. Yeah. Well, you could probably switch. Uh, well, I know you can switch if you want to. Yeah. Usernames are, that's a whole interesting topic in itself. But uh, I I thought I was going to switch to the username that I have wanted in the meantime. But I realized like if I was going to continue to cross post to Twitter, uh, which I do um, selectively, not everything, um, it's way easier if um, my name is the same on both platforms yeah. then well you get your own domain name and you can change your name on your website every day of the week if you want so <laughs> it's it's more about what what is your url what's yeah. the url is the yeah. really the important part well yeah i have had the domain welltempered.net since 1998 when i first yeah. uh, as i say self-isolating since 1998 when i first started doing html for money and uh which cost a, a whopping $50 from, uh, you know, network solutions. Wow. But at the time, I thought, I'm not going to buy jeanmcdonald.com. What would I use that for? That would be weird, you know. Start <laughs> <So laughs> the Gene McDonald business. Yes. And then a few years later, I thought, well, I don't want anybody else to buy it. So I was like a domain name hoarder. I was like, I, yeah. need, I need to buy that. And it had already been bought. And that Gene McDonald is, has a company called Gene McDonald Beauty Works in Toronto. And I thought, well, it is her name too. It's not like I can say like, yeah. they stole my name. And also. You and know, your brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I think nobody would mistake me for someone who would have a a makeup and facial uh, you know, business in Toronto, Canada, and there'd be mm-hmm. no cause for confusion. But. Yeah, I have a, I had some issues a couple of years ago. There was a VH1 TV show called Dating Naked. And the, <laughs> the primary male contestant that year was named Chris Aldrich. No way. <laughs> um, so it did all kinds of terrible things to my, um, my search functionality online. And, you know, the, Fortunately, the the incoming references on my website, searching for my name with the word naked, have dropped precipitously <laughs> since then. Um, I never heard of this show. <laughs> it made my Snapchat account all but unusable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that can happen. Things like, but dating naked now, I'm going to go. Google it. Yeah, don't do. No, it's not safe for work. Don't don't search it. (laughs) Self isolating since 1998. Everything's safe for work. It might not be safe for me. You know, I might need to bleach my brain. Well, it was a was a major network show, so they did kind of blur everything out. So it's not. Yeah, it's not too terrible. I okay. Um, So, uh, well, before we wrap this up, is there anything? else you want to add about um, micro.blog or what you're doing there or what you what you think we could be doing there? I, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, 
we always have a list. Yes. I <laughs> but, so I, 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 we won't do that here right now. Um, I don't know. I think it's, um, I, I think one of the things that I like most about it, and particularly the fact that our, there are no likes or retweets, yeah. is, and I, I don't know if other people have noticed this, and I haven't heard anybody say it, um, but it actually makes me listen even closer to some of my online networks. And I have noticed that even though I, I, I may not get the feedback of the likes and the retweets to my site, but by paying attention and seeing conversations that happen shortly thereafter, or sometimes even months after, mm-hmm. I see the references to things that I've said or talked about. And I, so I know people are reading and paying attention, even if they don't actively interact and say, you know, or if they don't come back and go around that like functionality and say, you know, oh, I like this post. This was great. And it's nice when people do that. But even when they don't, if you're paying attention and listening, you hear those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, I know there are a handful of people who follow what I'm doing and they will take my example and either expand on it or take take something and use it for themselves, which I think Mm -hmm. is awesome. But even people who aren't in that, my immediate sphere that I interact with on a daily or weekly basis, I know there are others out there who see what's happening and they're, Oh, that's an interesting idea. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Or how can I do that? Or how can Mm -hmm. I do it another way? So that always makes me, you know, well, you know, tickles me pink inside when, you know, those, those things happen. Last uh, episode of Micro Monday, my guest was Kimberly Hirsch, and she pointed out that she read a comment of yours on another uh, blog post, the one about Mm -hmm. being nice on the internet. And uh, she said, that's what led her to micro.blog. And that you know, you've been on my list to interview for a long time. And I thought, I really just need to interview Chris already. (laughs) And so that's how you're, that's, you're right. I thought you were waiting for me for last. uh, There's no last. (laughs) I don't think there will be a last. Um, But uh, anyway, well, Chris, uh, I want to just say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Well, thank you and Manton for building such a fabulous little <laughs> ecosystem and giving, giving us all a playground to play around in uh, and make great. it easier for my mom who will eventually join. Yes. Well, well I'll introduce her to my dad. Um, <laughs> I'll get, get him back on there. Uh, so yeah. And listeners, if you want to follow Chris on micro.blog, there is a link in the show notes or just go to micro.blog slash C letter C. You can also go to Chris's website to uh, find out a lot about a lot of things, uh, bafosaco.com, and I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.